0: This is the Battle Gorilla LEGO Podcast, Episode 18, Inside LEGO's Rulebook, exploring what makes the Brick Giant tick. The secret title of today's episode is Rated L for Mature. In this episode, I'll be taking a look at the values of the LEGO group and talk about why it's unlikely that we're going to start seeing R-rated LEGO sets despite a recent precedent having been retroactively set. The Disclaimer... LEGO is a trademark of the LEGO Group of companies, which does not sponsor, authorize, or endorse this podcast. Are you ready to listen to the world's number one LEGO podcast, recorded in my apartment? Podcasting is awesome, especially when it's about the LEGO fan scene. Is awesome. hey, check out this stream. Welcome to the Battle Gorilla Lego podcast. My name is Mike Sneathen. I'm your host. Let's get right into it. I like it when I know what I'm doing ahead of time. I like having plans. I've discovered that the older I get, the less tolerance I have for spontaneity. Certainly my own spontaneity. This podcast, for example, it is planned in advance. I know what the topics will be for the next seven episodes of this podcast. The topics and most of the accompanying secret titles. And then there's like a a one episode gap where I'm not exactly sure what's going in there. And then there's a bunch of episodes beyond that that I know, again, what the topics are. And that's great. I like the fact that I don't have to sit down when it's time to record an episode and say to myself, huh, I wonder what I should talk about this time. Having topics listed on a schedule lets me know what I'm talking about when I go to record an episode. The only real downside I've found to having my podcast topics planned out in advance is when unexpected things happen that I would like to do an episode about but my next schedule gap is over a month away. A couple of weeks ago, something happened, and I said to myself, I should do a podcast episode about this. And I thought about the schedule and realized that the next two episodes on the schedule, the Christmas shopping episode needed to happen before VIP Insiders Weekend, and the Space Jam episode needed to happen just a little more than a week before Space Jam so that if you decided you wanted to participate, you had time to make plans for it. Rearranging the schedule of upcoming topics, that happens from time to time. Stuff happens that I realize I need to do an episode about. But this week's episode, which I would have liked to have done a couple of weeks ago, nope, that had to wait until now. So if you heard about this in the LEGO fan community several weeks ago, and are wondering, why is he just talking about that now? Uh, that's why. And as to exactly what it is I'm talking about, several weeks ago, Disney Plus dropped their first trailer for Echo, a five-episode miniseries set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and based on the Marvel character of the same name, who originally debuted in 2021's Hawkeye miniseries. It was also revealed that Echo would be rated tvma making it the first MCU television series to carry that designation. Now, here's how that applies to Lego. Back on September 1st of this year, Lego released the second series of collectible minifigures based on characters from Disney Plus shows set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. One of those characters was Echo, whose design is taken from her upcoming series. So, this makes Echo the first Lego minifigure based on a TVMA-rated property. TVMA being the television equivalent to the movie's R rating. And when this happened, it must have been a slow LEGO Newsday, because I saw quite a few people giving what I thought was far too much coverage to this. Specifically because the coverage that they were giving it was... oh. Lego has now produced their first TVMA property. I wonder if that means they'll start producing more TVMA properties. I saw a couple of videos on YouTube that took this approach to it. Some of the conversations going on on some of the Lego subreddits were going nuts with that line of thought. And I spent the whole day sitting there wondering, what are these people thinking? Now, we had previously heard from people who worked on the show that when Kevin Feige, Marvel Studios president and architect of the MCU, saw what was then the eight-episode-long Echo series, he said, yeah, this is unreleasable. We need to do something. And what that something ended up being was a complete re-edit of the series and a whole lot of reshoots to add new scenes in. This all took place... Earlier this year. To me, what happened seems kind of obvious. Maybe it's not. Maybe this isn't what actually happened. But my theory here is that Disney and LEGO decided on the lineup for the MCU collectible minifigure series back before Kevin Feige ordered changes and reshoots to Echo. I think that the original version of Echo was intended to be TV 14. Then LEGO put the series into production. Then the reshoots and re editing were ordered the end result of which being that the final product received a TVMA rating, by which time it was too late to make changes to the minifigure series lineup. Has Lego produced a minifigure based on a TVMA property? Yes. Did Lego do this intentionally? No, I don't believe they did. In fact, this was technically not done by Lego, but rather to Lego by Disney. And it was done retroactively. It wasn't a TVMA property at the time that it became available for sale. This isn't the first time that I've seen Lego erroneously credited with making toys based on TVMA or R-rated properties. I've heard people say that the existence of the 2012 Wolverine's Chopper Showdown set means that Lego has already done a minifigure based on an R-rated property because there was a Deadpool minifigure in that set and the Deadpool movie. Was rated R, but the Deadpool movie wasn't released until 2016. The studio didn't even decide to greenlight that project until 2014, which was still two years after the debut of Lego's Deadpool minifigure. Saying that the Deadpool minifigure means Lego does R-rated properties follows the same logic as saying that Lego glorifies slasher movies because they made the Winnie the Pooh set. I mean. After the character from Winnie the Pooh entered the public domain a couple of years ago, someone did make a slasher movie featuring the characters called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. That's not an argument I would make. I've also seen people refer to the Harley Quinn from Lego Movie 2's Welcome to Apocalypseburg set as an R-rated minifigure because it's obviously designed to be her character from the 2016 Suicide Squad movie. But Suicide Squad the one with just those two words in the title, was only rated PG-13. It was the 2021 The Suicide Squad movie with the three-word title that was rated R. And while Harley Quinn was in both of those movies, she only looked like the apocalypse set Harley in the first one. And there is something that I have had to explain more than once. Not many more times than once, but even just Having to explain it once more than once is a little troubling. I have talked to people who are not that familiar with the current state of LEGO, but have become aware that LEGO has an 18 plus line without actually bothering to look into it themselves. The people that I'm talking about here are very deeply annoyed that LEGO, this fundamental toy from their childhood memories, is now making sets with sex and violence in them. And every time I run into one of these people, I have to explain to them that adult themes are not what the 18 plus line of sets is about. That is not what 18 plus means in the context of Lego. The difference between kids building Lego and adults building Lego is typically that kids play with Lego and adults display Lego. So the 18 plus sets are sets that are intended to be displayed rather than played with. Usually, this clears up the misunderstanding. Sometimes they tell me I'm wrong and that Lego is making adult-themed sets. I stop trying to correct those people and just let them walk away with their delusions intact. This whole conversation about whether or not Lego is doing... TVMA or R-rated themed sets makes me think that this is the right time in the life of the podcast to talk about Lego's values. This is something that I was originally going to talk about back in my episode on Lego and alcohol, but once I took my notes for that episode and started recording, it became apparent that... A look at Lego's ideals and values just weren't going to fit with the overall tone of that episode. So I said to myself, I'll keep a hold of these notes and I'll use them at some point in the future. That point is now. If you go to the Lego website and start looking around to try and find what it is they stand for, the first thing you're likely to find is something called the Lego Brand Framework, where they explain their belief, mission, vision, idea, values, promises, and spirit. Their belief is that children are our role models. Their mission is to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. Their vision is a global force for learning through play. Their idea is system in play. Their values are imagination, fun, creativity, caring, learning, and quality. Their promises. They have a play promise, which is play well. The Lego name is derived from the the danish words play well and that promise means to embody the spirit of their brand name they have a people promise which is to succeed and grow together and when they elaborate on this they include words and phrases like celebrating differences authenticity inclusion energizing play and unique sense of belonging they have a planet promise which is positive impact lego is working towards a sustainable future, and zero environmental impact. And they have a partner promise, which is mutual value creation. Lego is intent on building partnerships with customers, suppliers, and IP partners. And finally, Lego's spirit and their long-standing motto is, Only the best is good enough. Now, that all seems good. That all seems... Nice and friendly and positive. And most of it, you'll notice, is oriented towards children. Children are our role models, inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow, uh, learning through play, imagine, fun, creativity. All of this, LEGO seems to be dedicating itself towards children, which makes sense. They're a toy company. I know that there are a lot of adult fans of Lego that like to pretend it is something more serious than that, but we're all playing with a toy. Yes, it's true. It can accurately be called an architectural modeling system or a set of engineering design tools, precision building elements, modular creation medium, structural assembly systems, art supplies. You can even call it a highly sophisticated interlocking brick system. You can describe the product as all sorts of things, but it is primarily manufactured, marketed, and sold as a toy. So the thought that LEGO is going to start making products that are going to alienate the parents who purchase those toys for the children by introducing those children... To ideas that parents traditionally try and keep their children away from for as long as possible? That just seems silly to me. Yes, the LEGO group has realized that the adult fans of LEGO are a large enough demographic that they should be paying attention to them. The 18-plus sets and the adults' welcome ad campaigns are indicators of that. But still, toys. Anyway, Everything they state in the LEGO brand framework, their belief, mission, vision, idea, values, promise, and spirit, are all about what the LEGO group is trying to do. When I wrote up my original notes for this topic, I was far more interested in what LEGO has decided they won't do. That took me a little longer to find. But eventually, I stumbled onto a page on the LEGO Ideas site, A page which said, product ideas related to the topics below do not fit our brand values and will not be approved for publication on LEGO Ideas. And then there was a 10-item list. Number one, politics and political symbols, campaigns, or movements. Number two, religious references, including symbols, buildings, or people. Number three, sex, Nudity, drugs, or smoking. Number four, alcohol in any present day situation. Number five, swearing or profanity. Number six, death, killing, blood, terrorism, horror, or torture. Number seven, first person shooter video games. Number eight, warfare or war vehicles in any modern or present-day situation, or national war memorials. Number nine, large or human-scale weapons or weapon replicas of any kind, including swords, knives, guns, sci-fi or fantasy blasters, etc. Number ten, racism, bullying, or cruelty to real-life animals. Okay, I've got commentary on over half of the items on that list. Wow, how unexpected, right? The first thing I want to say is that there are a couple of examples of do what I say, not what I do on that list. Because there are some of those rules that LEGO themselves have broken. Number one, politics and political symbols, campaigns, or movements. LEGO is a global company. Politics are pretty much a country-by-country thing at the largest. So, if they were to make political sets, these sets would probably be exclusively for a single country. So, it makes sense that they don't. Also, politics, especially bipartisan politics, has a tendency to take any group of people and divide them into two groups of people. These groups being labeled us and them. And both of those groups claim to be us, making their opponents them. I don't see division as an appropriate role model for kids. Unity? Sure, that's good. Working together? Yeah, I'm all for that. Dividing yourself into two groups so that one group will argue with the other, either neutrally and calmly, sometimes violently. Sometimes with bipartisan cooperation, other times with outright hatred of the other group. Not an area I really want to see Lego dabbling in. Number two, religious references, including symbols, buildings, or people. Okay, the first thing I have to say here is that I am incredibly amused by the fact that they're talking about not having any religious references, including symbols, buildings, or people and it is number two on a list of ten items, all ten of which are basically thou shalt nots. This is the Lego Ten Commandments, but no religious references. Anyway, if politics are a source of division, religion is even more so. So it's understandable that Lego does not want to set foot in that arena. That being said, I personally would have some use for priest minifigures, but I'm sure that somebody out there in the third-party minifigure customization community is making them, so that is where I will eventually have to turn to. And this also answers the question that I asked back when I did the episode about the LEGO GOAT, about why LEGO has not yet produced a Noah's Ark set, which I saw as being a natural seller, as people love LEGO animals, and that set would be full of them. But Noah's Ark is a Bible story, so it is automatically disqualified. Number three, sex, nudity, drugs, or smoking. Okay, sex and nudity, I can understand those two being bundled together. Drugs and smoking, I can understand those two being bundled together. Sex, nudity, drugs, and smoking. I don't see that as one bundle. I really think that that should have been two separate items on the list. Of course, that would have made this the 11 commandments, and that lacks a certain style. So, I don't know. Number 3A and number 3B? Who knows? Anyway, number 4. Alcohol in any present-day situation. I covered this in the episode I did on Lego and alcohol. So, I suppose if you need my thoughts on that, you can go back and listen to that one. Number five, swearing or profanity. I don't see a lot of swearing in LEGO sets. If there was a lot of swearing in LEGO sets, you would imagine it would be the minifigures that are swearing. And typically, you can't hear what the minifigures are actually saying. Sometime in the past, I want to say about a decade ago, there was a Lego accessory. I can't remember if it was an actual Lego product or something that Lego licensed out to another manufacturer, but you could get tiny little speech balloons that were blank that you could attach to the neck post of a Lego minifigure before you put the head on so that you could have your minifigures saying things. I don't know how well those sold, but You don't see them or similar products around anymore, so I'm guessing not well. The other source of swearing and profanity you could potentially find in a Lego set is graffiti. I have seen graffiti in some Lego sets, usually on stickers. Uh, No swearing, so that adheres to their rules. Another thing that occurred to me is the now-canceled Lego Dots line there were instructions on how to turn a number of those one-by-one tiles into letters and numbers. And if you give a kid of a certain age instructions on how to make letters and the parts to make letters with, they're going to build swear words. That's just inevitable. It's beyond Lego's control. I'm just saying. That's a thing that's going to happen. Okay. Now we come to the big one. Number six, death, killing, blood, terrorism, horror, or torture. Wow. I am going to take these backwards. Torture. All right. So we're not going to see a Guantanamo Bay set complete with waterboarding stations. That's probably for the best. I do think that the castle line might be missing out a little by there not being an Iron Maiden. I know, Iron Maiden is a torture device, but it's also very classically castle-slash-dungeon imagery. Horror. This one needs further definition, primarily because if it's all horror, and you include classic horror in that, classic horror includes the Universal Monsters. Like Dracula, the Frankenstein monster, the mummy, the wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon, all of whom all of whom there are minifigures of from the 2012 Monster Fighters line. Again, do what I say, not what I do. Terrorism I don't have a lot of commentary about Lego not producing terrorism sets that's that's, that's fine. Blood Lego has a fair number of vampires what do they eat i've looked very closely at some of the vampire heads none of them have bloody mouths none of them have a drop of blood coming off the fang so there's no there's no visible blood there but if you're looking at a vampire before long you're going to be thinking about blood also and this may just be me when i stop for a moment my brain tends to keep going but Lego has a number of hospital sets. Hospitals are full of blood. Well, okay, not full of blood, but they have blood supplies. Ambulances carry blood supplies. At least they do in pop culture. I could take this to the silly extreme and say that since many figures are representative of people, and people have blood, I, yeah, I won't go there. Killing. All right. No killing in the Lego world. That's fine. I do think that if there's no killing, they should replace all the swords with, I don't know, sticks? Or maybe have foam rubber swords? I don't know. It seems like all those knights hacking at each other with blades, there might accidentally be some killing that goes on. I don't know. Seems likely. And then, death. A prohibition on death in Lego sets strikes me as one of the most problematic rules out of all of them. First of all, I'd like to know where all of those skeletons come from if there's no death. There's a lot of skeletons in Lego, not to mention mummies and zombies, vampires, Frankensteining abominations, all of which are products of death. It makes me scratch my head and wonder. Lego has produced at least two sets that depict graveyards. If there's no death in the Lego world, who is occupying all those graves? Is that where the Lego police are storing extra donuts? I I don't get it. I I don't know. What What is in those graves? The obvious answer is coffins and sarcophagi. But what's in the coffins and sarcophagi? I don't know. It boggles the mind. Moving on. Number seven, first-person shooter video games. I have no commentary for number seven. Number eight, warfare or war vehicles in any modern or present-day situation or national war memorials. I have very little commentary for number eight other than to say that I think talking about no warfare in this one and talking about no terrorism in number six kind of makes number seven unnecessary. No first-person shooters, but I digress. Number nine, large or human-scale weapons or weapon replicas of any kind, including swords, knives, guns, sci-fi or fantasy blasters, etc. The first item I'm wondering about here is a set that LEGO released this year called Wolverine's Claws, which is a glove in the vein of the Infinity Gauntlet and Tony Stark's Nano Gauntlet containing Infinity Gems, both of which are our brick-built sets that we've gotten. And this glove has all three of Wolverine's Claws extended those claws, those very sharp blades that Wolverine uses to slash people with, those would seem to me to be human-scale weapons. I'm also curious what that set is specifically supposed to represent. Because Wolverine's claws aren't part of his glove, they're part of his arm and his hand. When the claws are not out, they are stored inside his arm. So. Is the set representative of Wolverine having extended his claws and then somebody chopped off his arm halfway through the forearm and then that's what we're displaying? Seems a little odd. Maybe I'm thinking too much. I don't know. Can't build swords. Can't build sci-fi or fantasy blasters. Okay. What about sci-fi or fantasy swords? I ask this because Lego has produced at least two human-scale lightsabers. One for Luke Skywalker, one for Yoda. These were gift-with-purchase sets. Now, they were not activated. It was just the lightsaber handle. There wasn't a blade coming out. Maybe that's the distinction. I don't know. But still... It seems to me like that would count as a sci-fi or fantasy sword. Number 10. Racism, bullying, or cruelty to real-life animals. Okay. Racism, that's no good. I agree there. Keep racism out of it. Bullying, that's also no good. I agree there as well. Keep that out of it. Cruelty to real-life animals. All right. I have a problem with this. Uh, My problem isn't that I think we should be allowed to be cruel to real-life animals. That's that's not my problem. My problem is limiting it to real-life animals. I understand. Fictional animals are fictional. But still, you cannot, in play, be cruel to a bison. You can, however, be cruel to a bantha. Because the bantha are something that was invented for Star Wars. That doesn't seem right. It seems to me that if a kid is allowed to be cruel to a bantha, he's also not going to have any problem being cruel to a bison. I think that if you have unique animals in your world building, that is like a beloved pet of a main character, shooting that animal dead is the same as a story here on Earth where the villain puts a bullet in the head of the dog that is the, the main character's faithful pet. Yes, dogs are real. Fictional animals aren't. Still, it bothers me. And then there's another question. I am a fan of the world of Avatar, The Last Airbender. Some of their animals are real animals that we have here in the real world, but a lot of their animals are not. A lot of their animals are are very strange combination animals. For example, the turtle duck. Looks mostly like a duck, but it's got a turtle shell. Okay, fine. The question is, can you, according to Lego, be cruel to a turtle duck? The turtle duck is not a real animal, but it is derived from two real world animals, The duck is a real animal. The turtle is a real animal. The turtle duck is not. So you cannot be cruel to a turtle. You cannot be cruel to a duck. Is Lego fine with you being cruel to a turtle duck? If Lego picks up the license for Avatar again and makes more sets for it, if they make a turtle duck figure, am I going to have to worry about evil minifigures being cruel to it? I don't know. That kind of confuses me a little. Cruelty to real-life animals. That seems very specific and kind of wrong. Okay, I think it's just about time for me to stop recording and start building a turtle duck refuge so that any brick-built turtle ducks I come across, I can protect from people trying to be cruel to them. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends about it. If you specifically dislike this podcast, I don't know, tell your enemies. Also, if you want to find the podcast's social media outlets or websites where you can help support the podcast, go to battlegorilla.com slash links. That pretty much does it for this episode. Be sure and catch the next episode where I'll be talking about adult fans of LEGO being on the long quest to obtain a reasonably priced copy of the missed-out-on set of their dreams. The podcast's intro and outro themes, Podcasting is Awesome, inspired by Tegan and Sarah's Everything is Awesome, and Ode to Gibberish, were created by Michael Reich. I think I just closed Pandora's box and I want to know if you could punch a sucker, how else would you know that I've done everything except any of it you can have your bald eagle afraid of fire and you can eat it too and there could be so much joy and i want my libido well how else i mean wish me luck on the prayers for junk food and